hearts and our minds to who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if you notice, a little higher up here than normal. It's going to take a little getting used to, that's for sure. But we did this because of the sight lines going into the back of the room. And also, I don't know about you, but when preschoolers sing on stage, I like to see their faces. And that's going to help us raise the little preschoolers up when they come in here and help lead worship with us uh, in the coming days. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but we have added 75 new parking spaces around back, so there's plenty of parking. I know it doesn't affect many of you who come at 9.30, but the 11 o'clock people are really going to like it, trust me. Uh, but anyway, and the cool thing about what, us coming back into the room, I think a lot of times we'd like to have the grand reveal of how it's going to look. You know, don't come in here until it's done right. Well, we need the space. Believe it or not, we can seat 100 more people in here than we can over there. And then secondly, it gives you the opportunity each week to see something new uh, that we've done here. So we invite you to be here the next several weeks. That's good motivation to be here, right? to see what's new, what's coming next week. So we're so grateful that you're here with us this morning. And again, we want to thank you for putting up with our mess. I know it's not too pretty. It's the stage still is not complete, but we're on our way there. So thank you for bearing with us. If you have a Bible or a way to see God's Word, go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Today we're going to look at something that many people would say is very controversial. I personally don't believe it's controversial because of the meaning that's actually behind it, not only spiritually behind it, but also what is behind it as it relates to culture. And so we're going to look at that. So the passage we're looking at today is one that many people have used to legitimize slavery over the decades, over the historical years. And so what we see here is that Paul is talking about the relationship between bond servants, who is really a word for slaves, and those who would consider masters. And many people would say that, you know, this, this is a problem for them. Why in the world did Paul not speak against slavery? This could have been a perfect opportunity. Why doesn't Jesus say anything about it? It was definitely going on in the first century. 40% of the population in the Roman, uh, in the Roman Empire was, were considered slaves. Now, the thing that we need to understand is the fact that the slavery of the first century there in the Roman Empire is a lot different than the slavery and the atrocities that we find here in America hundreds of years or a hundred years ago. And so what we're looking at are two different things. We're not looking at the same thing. Now, again, here's what you need to understand about Paul and what Jesus are attempting to do. They're not coming, they didn't, Jesus didn't come into this world to lead a revolt against some social injustice. Jesus knew, and we all know deep down, that there is no social justice that can be, that can be overturned unless there's a change of heart. And so Jesus was coming to see a transformation of the heart. And so Jesus wasn't about the social injustices of that day. He wasn't really speaking into that world. But he knew that if there were a change of heart, there would be a change of social injustice. And we must remember that. And Paul seems to take the same care when it comes to looking at these things. Now, the reason there are differences between first century slavery and slavery here in America, there's three different differences we find. It was not based on race. It was not based on race. Matter of fact, in the Roman culture, if you were a conquered people, you were considered a slave. 
Another way that you could become a slave in the first century, which was really throughout all of history, is if you couldn't pay your debt. You would actually work for someone as a slave until your debt was paid. And so, therefore, the second reason slavery was different in the first century as compared to 100 years ago here in America is the fact that many times it was just temporary until you worked off what you owed someone. But then there's a third thing that was different about slavery. Slavery in the Roman Empire could have included all kinds of different work. All, everything from uh, civil services, teaching, business, agriculture, Medicare, or excuse me, medical care, not Medicare. Anyway, uh, <laughs> accounting, I mean, domestic work, it covered all facets of life. So you could have had doctors who served as slaves back in that day. Matter of fact, if you walk down the street of Colossae, you would not tell, be able to tell by looking at someone whether they were a slave or not. So in the first century, Christianity put slaves on equal footing with all. I want you to think about that. It really put everybody equal. How do we know that? Well, Colossians 3.28 says this. Paul writes, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you another difference that you would find in the slavery of the first century. Did you know that you could go into some of the local churches and some of the slaves have, have a higher uh, uh, prestigious job in the church than the masters did? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? And that's what you find there. So the church elevated everyone. Women, it elevated those who were considered slaves in that day. So many have stated that first century slavery Barring the abuses was much like the employer-employee relationship of today, which leads us to the subject, a powerful testimony at work. So some of you are like, you know, okay, now you've given me grounds. When I go to work, I feel like I'm serving a master. I feel like, I mean, I get it. There's all kinds of work dynamics that go on, and, and I get that. But there, God's word has something to say to us about how are we to conduct ourselves as employees and also as those who are employers. And we're going to be looking at both of those this morning. So look at the introduction down your outline. The workplace has the potential to build or destroy a person's testimony. Paul in the passage today is instructing in how we are to conduct ourselves in the workplace. He begins with God's expectations of employees. And then he moves to God's expectations of employers. Now, this is not the only place that Paul writes about this. He writes to the church at Ephesus, explaining the exact same thing. Many times the same terminologies that he wrote for them, he writes for the church here at Colossae. Now, what we're looking at is in the context of the employee-employer relationship. So the first thing we see, look on your outline, is the word to employees. Number one, submit to instruction with compliance to obedience. Now, I want you to think about that. Submit to instruction. You do what you're told to do. How do you do that? Through obedience. So look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. He says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters. Now, you could be looking at this and find that offensive that we're sitting here talking about today, the fact that our employers are masters and we are uh, bondservant means slave. You could say, I'm offended by that. Well, you can be offended whether you want to or not, but it's the same context that we are to look at when it comes to the work environment. Now, look at what he says. Obey 
in all things your masters. Now, let me say this. I think many of us in the job market have been asked to do things that we would find repulsive or to do things that are not fitting for our convictions. Now, let me say this. I have a word about that. And and I want to read something to you that you'll find here on the screen. There's a footnote to this. You should follow delegated authority. Okay, and that's what the employer relationship is. It's a delegated, delegated authority, okay? You should follow a delegated authority until it conflicts with supreme authority. Now, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who's the supreme authority over your life? God himself, right? Okay, so we, we follow the delegated authority as long as it doesn't conflict with the supreme authority. Namely, when you're asked to do something that is against God's word. If this happens, this is just some great uh, practical help to help you here. If this happens, approach your employer with respect and express your concern as it relates to your convictions and faith. Now, then offer a different solution if one exists. If they, if they insist you go against your convictions, then tell them with great respect that you must decline and then be prepared that you stand, that you could lose your job. <laughs> now, why would I say that? Because I believe if you look at society and you look at where Christ, the Christian life, where if we're followers of Jesus Christ and we're attempting to live the life he has, we're, we're in a culture that is moving away from the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings of God's word. How many of you agree with that? We're moving away from that. And so I believe in the years to come, there's going to be greater conflict between what we're asked at work and, uh, and what we're not asked, or so, so to speak, and what was asked of us and what God expects of us. I think some of you may say, well, those days are already here. Those days have been here. I believe they're going to get worse. I hate to be a pessimistic person, but I believe the way the culture is moving, it could get even more difficult to live the life God's called us to live in the work environment. Now, you may say, well, now I got to provide for my family, and I know that, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, but there's times where you have to put your convictions and your faith ahead of what's being asked of you in certain situations. And I think it's important that we pay attention to those things. Many people actually come to me. They'll, they'll email me. They'll come by. They'll say, you know something? I'm dealing with something that at work that they're asking me to do works against my convictions. And this is the advice I just gave you. That's the advice I tend to give them. You say, well, that's easier said than done. I know. But you've got to do. You, listen, when you work against your convictions, it, 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 you're incomplete as a person. There's something that is amiss in you, and you really need to weigh that heavily. Secondly, a word to employees, submit to instruction with compliance to obedience, but secondly, with compliance to authority. Look at what he says in verse 22 again. Bond service, obey in all things. Your masters, but here's the key, according to the flesh. The, fl- the phrase according to the flesh is a reference to the fact that this is only a temporary situation. Only a temporary situation. Now, I know people who have been in their jobs for 40 or more years. Same job, same employer. Man, that, 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 that's really cool if that works out for you. But many times there is this time in which we go through a temporary means of employment. And the thing that we need to realize is when you put even the life that covers 40 years, 45 years of employment compared to eternity, 
There, there's a big difference here. And so what we're saying here is there is we need to keep an eternal perspective when it comes to our jobs. Now you say, well, how do you do that? Well, here, here's what I mean by that. We shouldn't separate our family life from our work life from the life we live. <laughs> it needs to be consistent all the way across the board. And, and the thing that we need to realize is there is a testimony that's working out in and through our lives. And there's something we need to keep aware, become aware of. We'll spend almost 30% of our lives in the workplace. Do we need to pay attention to our testimony? Yeah, do we need to conduct ourselves in such a way that it's right? Yes, of course we should. So really, when you think about this, we need to look at it through an eternal perspective. It also means that while the boss is over us in the flesh, he or she is not over us spiritually. He or she has a temporary authority over us in a particular area of our life. A small area, but not the whole. God has that if we know him. So there are people... And you know these people who are different, difficult to work with. How, how many of you have, diff, don't raise your hand. You, you might, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about, okay? The difficult people to work with. And, and, and I tell you, when you look at this, that some of them are mean-spirited. They come in. You don't know how their attitude is going to be a particular day. You're just kind of at their whim. I get it. I've seen every bit of that. The poor staff has to work with me. No, I'm joking. I'm, 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 I'm okay when it comes to working with people. But anyway, but you do. You never know. And as best you can, we need to look past the person and their issues. Our eyes need to be set upon the Lord to serve him and to serve him through our jobs. But many times that is difficult. Which leads us to the next point. In our jobs, we still need to submit to God. God may have you in your place of employment. I want you to think about this. To be light in darkness. I, I, I think for many of you, maybe you've never thought of it this way. We talk about going on mission trips to the Middle East. We talk about going on mission trips to Asia, to Nepal, and different places. I believe we're all on mission. I really do. And I believe for some of you, you're in a position in which you go to a job in which you're literally a missionary. You may be the only light that's in that whole place. And some of you are like, yep, that's it. <laughs> but guess what? That's just as important to have a good testimony there as you would if you go to Nepal. Because these are people who are observing your life, some of them 40 hours a week. Some, think about it. Sometimes you're spending more time with these people than your own families. And you need to understand the weight of what that looks like. So therefore, we may have been placed there in our jobs to be light to darkness. And then submitting to God in the workplace is allowing him to use you in his bidding in that environment. I don't know about you, but many years ago, I worked with the Harris Teeter for about 12 years, Okay. Still mad we don't have a Harris Teeter here in Cleveland County. But anyway, and, and I remember working, and, and I remember there were times, and, and we would work as teams in different uh, departments. And I remember so vividly, there are times in which literally the people around me would mock me for my Christian faith. But you let some problem hit their life, guess who they come calling? They still come back to me. Now, there were times I'm like, listen, if you're going to make fun of me, I'll have no part. <laughs> no, we still got to be light. And there's times where we're treated cruelly, but we need to wait on that opportunity that God gives us to be light 
in that darkness. I would dare say that as far as ministry, I did as much ministry at Harris Teeter than I've done in this job as a pastor because people watch you. The things you say about yourself when it comes to your faith, they listen. They may make fun of you, but you let trouble come into their life. You're one of the first people they'll call on. Pray for me. It's amazing how they get back to their faith. So submitting to God in the workplace is allowing him to use you in those, in those times of need. Next, submit to God. How are we going to do that? Well, first of all, through reverence. Look at verse 22. He says, not with eye servants as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. This phrase refers to serving only to impress. When the, when the boss is away, you kind of do your own thing. When he's there, you do his thing. I remember many years ago, I worked at a paper mill over the summer, uh, a little bit more money than I made at Harris Teeter. But I remember that there was a big difference. So we worked 12-hour shifts. And so there was day shift, and then we rotate to night shift. And there was a big difference in what was going on on night shift than it was on day shift. I'm just going to be honest. It wasn't anything to go open the break room and there would be about five people in there asleep. <laughs> and the, the, the whole day thing is a whole different thing. And, and the, for the reason is many times the boss is not present. And so basically they're not there. And so it's, it's, even in that, there's a bad testimony. It's the idea of working when the boss is looking and not working when he's not or her, she's not. Submitting to God in the workplace that is that if we give the boss, we give them a full day's work. We do what we're called to do, even when the boss isn't looking. Guess what? Even when he's not looking, there's others who are watching and they're seeing. You say you're a Christian. What's your testimony when it comes to that? Next, verse 22 again, not with eye service as men pleasers. The word speaks of those who are smooth talking and slick. Now, how many of you have had a position of authority in a job before, and you can identify these people? They're smooth talking. They know how to get you. They know how to, and part of that, I hate to tell you this, but some of that's manipulation. Some of it's a manifestation of the flesh. These are people many times who are walking in pride, who, who is actually, who, they're actually not serving the Lord through their job. They're, they're serving themselves or promoting themselves. We have to be careful with that if we're employees. And then he says in verse 22, not with eye services, men pleasers, but here it is, but in sincerity of heart, it literally means we're doing the right thing. It also means we have integrity when it comes to our jobs. And then he says at the very end, fearing God. Again, he's putting that eternal focus on something that we do every day. It's the idea of fearing God. The idea of fearing God does not mean that we fear the people we work for or we fear God's going to punish us for. It's the idea of honoring him. It means to literally honor him. It's the idea of reverence through our jobs. And then look at verse 23. And whatever you do, again, this is in the context of your job. We use it for a lot of other things in life. But this verse is in the context of our jobs. Whatever you do, do it heartily. How? As to the Lord and not to men. The thrust of this passage is inescapable. We are to do our work. Listen to this. As if Jesus was our employer. I want you to think about that. How many of you have already made you mad already at this point? I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I've, I've been there. I've been in those hard jobs. But the point is we do what God's called us to do, realizing 
that Jesus is our employer. And the only way we can labor under certain less favorable conditions is only when we had have his help to lead us and guide us in that. So let me ask you a question. Do you have what appears to be a meaningless, boring job? Maybe it's oppressive. Maybe every time you think about it, there's this dread that comes with it. Think about it. What you're doing, if you're there because God's called you to be there, is greater than the job, even greater than you even providing for your family, even though that's what you're being called to do. Even greater than that, because there's the eternal call that's placed on your life to have a good testimony, a good testimony at work. In Titus 2, verses 9 and 10, listen to what it says. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their masters. Again, this is an employer-employee-employer relationship. To be well-pleasing in all things. Not answering back, meaning argumentative. Not pilfering, not stealing from them. But showing all good fidelity. fidelity that's character. That they may adore, adorn. That means to make attractive your work. The doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. That when that employer thinks of you, they think of a great God because you take it seriously where God has placed you and you have that eternal perspective. And then he says, submit to God through reverence. Why? For eternal reward. There's an eternal reward. I want you to think about that. I think so many times we lose sight of this. Your job, where you are in your job, it may be difficult. It may not be fair at times. It may be that they're asking crazy things of you or whatever it may be. But it's not just to pay your bills, take care of your family. It's an avenue in which God can use you, and one day he'll reward you. Think about this. Look at verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus. Think about that. You put all the emphasis on the boss. But who's the true boss? It's him. He's the one. So here's a footnote. Look here. The proper motivation for employees. Now, you're not going to like this, but this is what I find in the Bible, okay? Serving out of discipline. I have to serve. I have to work. I have to be there. Serving out of duty. I ought to serve. I ought to give a good day's work. And that's good. That's plenty. But there's a greater calling. Serving out of devotion. I want to serve. I believe God's called me here. I'm going to do the best that I can. I want to be the best employee in this place. That not only a possible job of promotion, which that's a good thing. That's nothing wrong with that. But that God may even promote me even higher than that, than anything that boss can do. It's that eternal perspective. Next, submit to God through reverence for an eternal reward to avoid repercussions. In verse 25, that he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. It's interesting, he, he, Paul tells us all the great things that could potentially come from us doing the right thing. But then he says, and guess what? There's repercussions if you don't. It will affect you. So I want you to hold your place here. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, as you turn, I want you to think about this. There are eternal advantages and benefits in serving the Lord. 
But there's also, if we're not doing it for the right thing, doing the right thing, there are those repercussions. Now think about this. 30% for some of us, 25 to 30% of our lives will be spent in an employee-employer relationship or vice versa. Okay? Think about that. That's a large portion of our lives, a big chunk, so to speak. So when you begin to understand that we as Christians, we're not only called for eternity, we're not only going to spend eternity with God, there are potential rewards that come from living this life before God. And the Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That means this. Your life may have many different meanings, but there's no greater meaning to your life than the fact that you're building a life that's found, founded on Jesus Christ. That everything you look at is through an eternal perspective. That how you conduct yourselves in any, in any way in any, your life, you realize who you are in Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, and you've heard this before, with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. The word day there is actually speaks of judgment. Now, while we as Christians, we won't face the great white throne judgment where it's literally a sentencing to those who will go into condemnation in hell. We will face the, 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 the bema seat of Jesus. We will stand before him and we will be judged based on what God gave us, the gifts, the availability, the, 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 the energy he gave us to work, the callings that he placed on our lives. All that's going to come under judgment. And if almost 30% of our life is found in the work environment, there's a lot that can be gained there. Don't you agree? Or there's a lot that could be lost there. And again, I'm trying to point us to an eternal perspective as it relates to our jobs. Here's what's going to happen. Look at verse 13. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Is it the things that remain that God can honor and bless? Or is it things he can't that will be burned up and will have no eternal value in our reward? Verse 14, if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, you're going to get a reward. You say, well, I've been underpaid at this job ever since I've been there. Guess what? There's more coming. There's more coming. Well, guess what? I, I tell you, I've been treated unfairly and all that. God's going to make up for it. If he's called you into something, he will provide and if we do it with the right heart attitude and we do it as unto the Lord, he will reward and bless accordingly. Accordingly. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he or she will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The reason this last part is put in there is yes, if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we, we've turned to him, we've repented of our sins, we now have salvation in him, yes, we will make it to heaven. But I would hate to make it to heaven with little reward. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to go to heaven with reward? Not because you're there just wanting, some of you are thinking, well, I do kind of want a bigger mansion. That would be nice to have a little extra room, you know. No, it's so much greater than that. It's what he desires for us. And the benefits, listen, will not only come from this, from the world to come, we can still 
rest in him knowing we're doing what he calls us to do. Now, all that being said, let me say this. I believe we should be the best employers that our employers have. We should, because we're working as to the Lord. We should, even when it's not fair. We should, even when there's things that are very difficult, we still work as unto the Lord. Now, let's flip the record here. A word to employers. How many of you are ready to listen to this? Of course, some of you are employers. I'm getting ready to get you back. Okay, here you go, all right? A Christian's employer's first duty is to do the will of God and to manifest a Christ-like spirit in everything that he or she does. I want you to think about that. Some of, some of you are like, well, now, hold on now. Is there, don't you have to have tough love for employees? Absolutely. You got to have tough love as a parent, don't you? There's times you got to call people when they're not doing, living up to the responsibilities. I'm not saying that, but there is a way you can do that and still honor the Lord in that. So every business decision must be based on God's standards of righteousness, truth, and honesty. He or she must deal with their employees with care, with care. Now, the way the church is set up here, here at Pleasant City, I'm considered the lead pastor. So the, the other pastors indirectly or directly have to, I have to hold them accountable. And there's some that are easy to deal with and others that are not. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into when y'all hired my son to be on staff. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? <laughs> but, but I will tell you this. Gary is so difficult. <laughs> no, actually, let me just say this. I thank, I, I thank God for Gary Marburger. Gary did a wonderful job these last couple of weeks. But I'm here to tell you, and I mean this with all my heart, it, 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 when you look at someone like Gary or you look at someone, how many of you just, you, you, you're an employer and you have that person that you know you can count on? You know that they, they got you back. You know that uh, they're, they're going to do what they're asked to do and they're not going to take any shortcuts. They're going to do it. Don't you just, aren't those people a blessing in your life? Wouldn't you want to be that for your employer? But employer, let me ask you this. I think it also comes as a result of care and respect to that employee. You got to somehow, you got to demonstrate that some way or some, in some way. It must be there. It must be in place. So the first thing we see there, a word to employers, their responsibility. Number one, deferring to integrity. Look at what he says in chapter four, verse one. Masters, employers, give your employees or bond service what is just and fair. Deal with them in integrity. Deal with them with extreme care. Secondly, not only deferring to integrity, but deferring to God. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You're not this independent, supreme thinking person out there calling all the shots. You're still accountable to your God. You're still accountable to your God and how you deal with others. Next, a word to employers, their responsibility. Next, we see their restraint. Their restraint. Now, let's, let's think about this. Some people do well with authority. I've met people who have done well. Uh, they didn't think too highly of themselves. Uh, they were many people uh, who were servant leaders, 
who they didn't ask of their employees no more than what they do themselves. And they put it out there. And they're, they're that. And, and those are good things. But there's some who really struggle with this whole idea. And I think we as a born-again believers who know Jesus, we need to understand what we're up to even as employers. So look at this. To, the restraint. To not lead by threat nor fear. Never abusive. There's no reason to be abusive. There's no reason. Let me say this. If you've got to motivate with fear, you're not really a leader. <laughs> you're not. It's got to be more than that. You say, well, if I don't threaten to do this, well, maybe they, listen, instead of destroying your testimony with this person, go ahead and show some tough love and move them along, if anything. Your testimony has to be there. You mean my testimony can be maintained if, 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 if I let someone go? If, if, if I got to, yeah, absolutely. But you need to explain where it all came from, where they're lacking. You need to help them think, hey, in your next job, these are things you need to work on. These are things that will help you. You say, boy, uh, you're up here telling me how to, I'm just telling you what I believe God's word's laying out. And we need to be gentle. We need to be kind. Yes, there are times of tough love. Secondly, to realize their authority is delegated by God and is temporary. Temporary. It's kind of it's humorous. But sometimes, uh, you know, you look at different seasons of life. And you look at those who have difficulties in different seasons of life. I, I'm just going to tell you. I think couples who have Two or more preschoolers in their home are going through a very difficult season of their life. How many of you can agree with that? Okay. All right. So we'll put that on there. I never would have thought that a difficult season of life would be when a man retires their job. Never would have thought that. I'd have thought, oh my goodness, the pressure's off. They don't deal with this. Especially the employers, the one who's had so many responsibilities, who had to, to keep things going. And it's amazing that when, it seems like when those men retire, the wives show up at the office. <laughs> and they're like, tell him I'm not his employee. Because that's the way he's been operating all these years. <laughs> But again, when you look at it, you got to understand that, that this authority that's been given to you is probably for a short while. And God can use it and understand that, that he can use it. Another restraint, to realize that they are no better than those who have they have authority over. I've worked for them, those that really thought they were God's gift to the company, I guess. I've met those. I've worked for those. The thing we need to understand is if you're an employer, just because they may do it, be doing the menial jobs, they shouldn't be thought any less of. If anything, maybe even more respect because people do what they can do. Next, to respect and care for those who are under their authority, to go out of their way, to, to show care, to, to go. Don't be afraid to go and just walk up to an employee and say, hey, how are things going? I know some employers would say, you know, they'll take advantage of me if, if I do that. Or they, no, I think you'd be amazed at what kind of work environment you can create if you show the love of Christ and care and concern in an employee's life. Next, to be Christ-like in, in all they do, even in the, even in the workplace. Just think about it. And this is something simple. How would Christ 
approach this. Did Christ demonstrate tough love? Now, I don't recommend going into their office and flipping their desk or anything like that. I mean, Jesus is Jesus still. Okay, you understand that. But did he tell people the way it was at times? Yeah. He gave them the hard truth. He spoke into their lives when he needed to. There were also those times where he had such gentle care for those who, who needed it. And then their restraint, to realize that they will give an account before God for the way they handled the authority they were entrusted. You do understand that, don't you? We all are going to stand before Jesus. How did we do? Or how are we doing? Now, I preached a message very similar to this some years ago. And, and here's one group of people in this room that have it more difficult than anybody I just described. I want to ask you, how many of you, and let's just, let me just ask you, raise your hand if you, how many of you fit this category? You're kind of middle management. Raise your hand. You're answering to this, but you have those that are under you. That can be difficult, can't it? Trying to balance those two worlds. Let me just say this. I, th I think that, number one, we, we do, we are <laughs> accountable to that person. But when that person is, is driving us to a point where we're not allowed to have a Christ-like attitude and we're not allowed to show concern and care, we may want to may look at something else. Because your testimony is the greatest thing you have apart from Jesus Christ and how people see you. You need to take, pay careful attention to that. So here's the application. If you're a person, an authority, an employer, do you treat your employees with a servant's heart? Do you? You say, don't take advantage of me. Give it a shot. See what happens. If you're an employee, do you treat your work as service to the Lord? Do you go in there each day saying, you know something, I want to be the best employee in this place. Would your life take on a whole new meaning if you took that on? Not that you work yourself to death. Not that you go from 40 hours to 60 hours. Just, no, I'm talking about just your testimony. What God desires. I want to close with this story. There's a story back in the 1900s. Theodore Roosevelt had gone out on some big African safari. Killed some big wild game. And, and there in New York City where Theodore Roosevelt it was from, New York City. He comes back on, on the ship. And it comes into the harbor. Well, on that same ship were two African missionaries right there coming back from giving their life to missions. For over 50 years, they gave their life. They came back to the U.S. to retire basically from that because they had health issues that needed to be addressed there. And, and they were on the same ship. And as they approached the harbor, they could hear the band playing. They could hear the people cheering. That's back when you cheered, I guess, for presidents, I guess. And all of a sudden, they looked out as they made their way to the top of the boat. And they looked out, and they saw this great heroic welcome for Theodore Roosevelt as he came back from his hunting exposition. And these two lonely missionaries who served the Lord for 50 years were on that boat. Well, that man, bless his heart, was struggling with his health. He gave everything he had to the Lord. 
And he was one of those who, he, he, his wife said, basically, he grew bitter about the welcome Roosevelt got. He thought, God, I've given my life to you. I've given you 50 years. I'm coming back. I, I, my help's gone, everything. I gave you everything. And nothing, no one even knew they were on the ship or even stepped off the ship. His wife turns to him. And, and, and she basically said, honey, what she did is gave him eternal perspective. Honey, we're truly not home yet. We're not home yet. That will be the welcome in heaven. So I want to ask you, do your work as unto the Lord. Whether you're a missionary to Africa, Nepal, the Middle East, maybe you're a missionary right there to one of these establishments right here in Cleveland County. Think about it. 30, almost 30% of your life will probably be given to this relationship of employee to employer or employer to employee relationship. There's a lot that could be gained and there's a lot that could be lost. I want to ask you to stand to your feet if you would. We're getting ready to close with this prayer. Father, we just come to you now. We just thank you for your goodness, Lord. And Lord, I know that a message like this, that I know that someone had a tough week at work last week. And I know a message like this will either <laughs> make it more difficult for that person or maybe, Lord, you just showed them something they've never seen before. Father, I just pray you'll work in their heart. I pray for that employer, Father. Maybe, maybe they've never heard anything like this before. Maybe they've never considered what you may be asking of them in this relationship as an employer. I pray for them, Father that they would be aware of the testimony they need to have with those employees. And Father, I guarantee you that most of us in this room, they're just, we're just employees. Maybe we're just those who answer to the boss. Lord, help us have that mentality to, to maintain a great testimony at work. Father, I know there's a category that we've left completely off this morning. I pray for those who work in the home and day and night, they're taking care of those that you've entrusted them with. And sometimes it just gets more than they can handle. Father, I just pray that you'll help them, those being moms or maybe even dads who are there just trying to do what you called them to do in that setting. I pray, Lord, that they will also see this as something they're doing as unto you. We thank you for them. We thank you for those. And Lord, most of all, we thank you that you spoke to our hearts here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonathan, I had everybody stand up for you as you give this announcement. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, one of the things the next few weeks while we're still working here uh, to get this building to the way it needs to be, you can probably figure out with our construction uh, zone here, this hallway is, is inaccessible. Um, with that creates a, a few flow problems for us, or challenges, I should say. So the next few weeks we're going to kind of dismiss in sections and here's what we're going to do. If you're physically able, so if you're not able to, it's not a problem at all. But if you're physically able, this is going to be our primary exit for everyone to exit out of. So if you're going back into the Connect Hall, all you need to do is go down the courtyard here and then walk outside through the courtyard back into the Connect Hall. But we'll be doing this for the next few weeks to just uh, help out alleviate some of the traffic flow from the Connect Hall, those trying to get in. Um, and so if y'all can, we're going to go ahead and dismiss this section right here out this door right over here, okay?
Thank you guys for coming this morning.